We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arsenal decided not to turn up on Wednesday night. Elliot has decided not to turn up on Thursday. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast with your host for this episode, Tim Stillman. That's right, Elliot threw in the towel, looked took one look at the performance at London Stadium on Wednesday night, and he said, if the players aren't turning up, I'm not turning up. So I'm here to pick up the pieces like a prime Jorginho um, and distribute in front of the back four. Uh, and with me, Pretty tortured analogy, but forgive me, <laughs> with me to pick over the the bones, the carcass, the corpse of last night's game is Clive, who you can follow on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Hi, Clive. Hello, hello. See how it rotated himself out nicely, it, you know what I mean? It, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, considering my preparation for the game last night was four pints in the Howling Hops and very gratifying to see that seemed to be Arsenal's preparation for it too. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I got to Stratford faster than any of our players moved last night. But um, as you can guess, and this perhaps leads me into the first question, Clive, which is really... Before we go into the nuts and bolts of the team uh, selection, and I think there's plenty of individual players to talk about and how far they're culpable. And, you know, when everyone has an off night, that suggests that maybe it's not just an individual thing. But let me tee up by giving you my emotional response to the yeah. game. And I was I was at the game and, um, you know, had some drinks beforehand, which clearly makes you a bit more emotional. But my kind of response to this was... I can't remember ever being this bothered, this annoyed by a League Cup game probably since the 2018 final, and that's because that was a final. Usually, I am able to compartmentalize these games quite a lot. I, I do what think there's you? something in... What bothered you? So, well, you? There's, there's one thing separate to the performance that bothered me, which is I... I th- I completely agree that like our season is not and is never going to be defined by the League Cup, almost never. And so I, I don't think it's necessarily like a big 
black mark on our season that we're out of it again. I do think last year I was, you know, my position last year, last season, I was um, F the Cups, basically. Didn't want to know about any of them. I was very open about that. I didn't think we had the squad and I thought we had a chance to do something in the league. This season, I think we've got the squad um, to take on the Cups a bit more. And I felt the team selection, for example, for this game, I was fine with it. It was rotated, but rotated to a high level. To me, it showed we have the squad to take on this competition. I'll tell you what bothered me about it, though. Not the elimination or even the result that much, but the manner of the performance, which for me was incredibly limp. And I was sat very high up, very far back. Um, But at the same time, sometimes that gives you a perspective on the game, particularly when you're wearing incredibly bright kits. It really makes you stand out. Mm. And I saw, and Clive, I saw a lot of walking. I saw a lot of hands on hips. I saw a lot of chins, chins on chests. And I saw too much walking. And this is the first time, I think, since that Forest game um, a couple of seasons ago, which was kind of immortalised on the All or Nothing documentary because Mikel Arteta, as we know, doesn't like losing duels. We lost pretty much every duel going in this game, I think. And this was the first time I walked away from a game and felt like, you know what? The effort wasn't good enough tonight. We've had off performances we've had some this season but this to me was I felt that they didn't make enough effort for this game whether that's intensity or effort however you want to phrase it I just don't think they tried hard enough and I think that's worrying because I think elite teams never do that elite teams have off days but they never leave you with the impression that they haven't tried hard enough and that's what I came away with. What did you come away with? And do you agree or disagree with any of that? I can't I can't disagree with it. And I was I let you go there because I think when you've done the journey and got wet and stood there and uh you're in you have a different emotion and you feel it feels a bit more acute. You know, I know it's like me. I've done a few done a few of these trips and you feel sort of a bit embarrassed by how your team plays, right? You don't like walking away feeling like that. So, viewed from the SETI, you know, I generally, I really liked how we started the game. I thought we moved the ball well. I thought, here we go. The rotation was nice. Um, I wasn't too good. I never worry about teams with five subs anymore too much. I think the outcome, we can then talk about the team. But before the game, I tried to relax about it. And I looked at the team, I thought, oh, keep your playing as a central centre-back in the three. I said, that's something that I wanted to see because I think he can pass it. I think he's quite quite quick and I think he's got that composure on the ball. So that was interesting. I wanted to see what Havertz played. Could he, could he add the physicality in the centre of the pitch? Could he hold that team with... With Vieira around and with Jorginho around, which I think, you know, they struggle with physicality. So that was something I was looking at. Obviously, post the weekend, Eddie's holding up the match ball. Where is he in his in his head? Where is he? And Trossard from the start is a different player from Trossard from one hour in. Like, where is he? And obviously, we lost Smith-Rowe again. Problem. Every time we play a game, we lose a player. Problem. To your point about the squad, let's talk about that when we talk about rotation a little bit more. And then we got Nelson. Again, a player, a bit of a box of Rebels player, let's be honest, and so is Eddie. You put your hand in, you're not sure what you're going to get out. Am I going to get an 8 out of 10? Am I going to get a 3 out of 10? We're not sure. And so I often 
and the listener who knows me really, really well, they know I'm going to do this. They know what I'm going to say. The, f- the fundamentals of the game is the contest. And I started to watch a bit of that game this morning and I watched them put their shoulders on us in one-on-ones and push us to the ground. And they realized they were in charge of the contest. We're in charge of the ball, but they are in charge of the contest. And that is your one-on-ones. And then you look at your rotation and you realize we'd rotated away a lot of our physicality and dynamism and people that affect the game with their one-on-one ability, whether defensively or offensively. And therein lies the message from this game for me. We've potentially uncovered the weaknesses in our rotation squad. You know, and I think that weakness may be weakness. If that makes sense to him. No, I felt we were yeah. a little bit weak. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at it, and again, I wasn't thinking this before the game or when I saw the lineup, but in in retrospect, Jorginho Vieira Havertz, um, you know, it's it's not that physically imposing, is it? Uh, you could probably do with with one other different model of player, and then you look up front. Eddie, like you said, and we'll go into we'll go into some individual performances, um, and we'll we'll touch on Eddie a, a bit later. But you know, if Eddie's not on it, you can't find him. If Havertz is not on it, you can't find him, and therefore Trossard wasn't really there. Nelson wasn't really there. So I guess, like my other question, because <clears throat> if we take each player in turn, I think. And we'll talk about Kivior later because I think he's the only potential exception. I think everyone was was off it, was below that. Everyone that started. That's what I tweeted as I came away from the ground. I said every player that started that game, maybe I should have accepted Kivior there. I thought he was okay. But I said every player that started that game played at an unacceptable level, as far as I'm concerned. So how but how much do you think it was driven by dysfunction? rather than maybe some individuals who, for whatever reason, just weren't at it on the day? If if I was doing one of my IRs, mate, from the ground, I would go for every single player because I think there's a story of the game through those individuals' eyes. I mean, it may be one to do, I don't know. But, you know, if you look at at our goalkeeper, I mean, he was fine. I watched him do the warm-ups. He looked really sharp. The first thing that happens that goes wrong, I felt we lost him a little bit. You know, I felt we lost his emotion a little bit. So the player that brought more of himself to our squad, more more of himself to our relationship with, with his back four, I felt we lost him. He was in that groove where everything went wrong. You know, Gabriel doesn't block the shot through the legs. You get a deflection, it, it makes him look stupid. And you think, crikey, where is his head at the moment? You know, if we look at Ben White, Warrior, that's his nickname. He wasn't in warrior mode last night. You know, thinking about the weekend and Seville next Wednesday. Injury is just like a cloud over this squad at the moment. We can't afford to lose him anymore. There's too many important games, right? So, you know, Gabriel, he, he plays the moment. Kivior plays the moment. They're fine. Zinchenko, when, the way he played in midfield, I really liked it at the start. But then when he's pushed into the back line, we was in trouble, right? So there's some underlyings there that we all could talk about. If we're going to have our negative heads on. We can go through the whole team and say where they're not quite right. 
But the most important thing is your attitude to play. We've seen these very same players on other days in the league or in the European games when it really mattered, and they didn't move like that. They didn't tackle like that. They didn't pass the ball that slowly, and they weren't pushed off that easily. You know, and and so for me, it is around your approach to the game, and it's our fourth competition, and whether people like it or not, that's the truth. That is the truth. We have a two-legged semi-final. I'm watching Man City players in their best tuxedos at the Ballon d'Or tournament the, um, presentation thing in um, Paris this week, while we're preparing to play West Ham in, in the wind of rain. I, I Spurs got their legs up watching EastEnders, then watching us. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't want this imbalance. I want us to have the time we need. I don't want us worrying about injuries to certain players. I want us able to be competing for the stuff that really, really matters. I'm sorry if that doesn't match your view. I want Arsenal to win every game. But in the grand scheme of things, what matters are the lessons we learned about the players and the squad far more to me than the actual result. Yeah, and I guess we should point out, had we gone through in this game, it would have been Liverpool away in the next round in December, and then that would have been back-to-back games at Anfield. So we'd have played Anfield on the Wednesday night in the League Cup, and then Anfield again on Saturday evening. Um, And as you say, I I think this is going to be the last year where it happens, but there'd be two uh, legs of a semi-final as well in January and uh, you know I do agree particularly when you get to January you're likely to play a bigger team you're likely to have to bring your big guns like I, I, I'm i like I say going out of the league cup even though to me it looks quite winnable this year that doesn't bother me that much it's it's more the kind of the performance not even the result if we'd got done 3-0 because we were 1-0 down and we were pushing at the end and we get done on the break like I can live with that. That happened against Brighton last season. Like we were, we were two one down. They did us on the break three one. Fair enough. Like we will go home and forget about it. But there, there was a limpness to this performance I didn't like. But I, I guess the other thing we should talk about as well is it wasn't just a case. I don't think of Arsenal not really competing. And Arteta said that he used the word compete, and he used it very very advisedly. I. I liked, I liked isn't the right word. I appreciated his post-match comments. That's what I wanted when I sent that angry tweet when I was walking away from the ground on 85 minutes. You know, I said that I felt like the players needed to be told and I kind of didn't doubt that Arteta would do that and he did. And he did that thing where he said at the top, it's my responsibility. But then, <laughs> you know, he talked about, I told them 48 hours before I told them about this. And I do think there was the rice element as well for West Ham. I don't think as much as this is their fourth competition this year as well. I think, you know, I think that gave them maybe that little bit of extra motivation, that kind of, you know, we want to beat you uh, on your first game back here. And But at the same time, I do think there was a game state thing here where the first half was nowhere near as bad as the second half and West Ham were 1-0 up without having a shot and that does then go on to have a knock-on effect on the rest of the game so how much do you think kind of game state played into this um, in terms of it maybe also just being one of those days yeah well first goals really matter I mean look what we've seen with the Manchester Derby at the weekend, you know, that first goal, that first penalty, 
We saw it in the Merseyside derby. We saw it when we played Chelsea. First goals, they change everything. They make you make substitutions at different times. And you then become under question as a, as a coach and a manager. And so we were in total control of this game. Total control. We don't quite get our line right on a, on a switchboard, head it out for a cheap corner, and they score off the corner with a foul. That would have been stopped by VAR, but no VAR in this competition. <laughs> so you think, you finally say, hold on a minute, they've not touched the ball and we're one nil down. So then what happens then, Tim? What happens then is they score quickly after halftime, which allows them almost two free moments to win the game. And then it's about how much do you want it, Arsenal? We know you're trying to go for a league. So we are going to be physical with you. And for you to overcome us, you're going to have to be physical with us. Do you really want to do that? Are you prepared to put yourself out to go and do that? Well, we were at Chelsea, weren't we? We we turned it on. Very similar, 2 nil down. We turned it on because that, that means something to us and we should have won the game, right? So a similar scenario here where we're being a bit outrun, being pushed around a little bit. They got two free goals and we did not have the answer. And that was what told me about the priorities. We didn't want to find the answer. And for me, the late substitutions were about minutes in legs to make sure we can have a, a day off and less running after the game to make sure we're ready for Friday's training and prep for Saturday's game. If anything, I'll tend to use this game as an absolute message to say, you want to try up to Newcastle and don't want to put a tackle in, then that's not enough. Then that's not enough. And I think it was a, a really good reminder. We've lost two games this season, both been in cup format, shall we say. And both of them, there's a level of, either I don't care or we can recover it. That makes sense. We can cover the position in the Champions League. So I'm less concerned about this than I was, but I do. I, when we get to talk a bit deeper, Tim, I am concerned about the gaps that are appearing within the squad. Yeah, and clearly, like Arteta, we we all know, you know, it's almost a punchline, the kind of the standards thing. And although he rotates the team for the League Cup, which tells you how he regards it at the same time, you know that he doesn't want to see half-arsedness um, yeah. in these games at all. As much as he can compartmentalise it, I, it, I can tell he was annoyed by what he saw. But like I said, I just don't think like elite teams don't turn it off. At, like you can't turn performance on and off like a tap. You can like intensity. I, I think you're right to point to the Lons game as well. This felt similar in the respect that it got away from us and we allowed it to get away from us. And perhaps, um, you know, pending the result on Saturday, perhaps on a later pod, we might discuss some of that control versus threat kind of thing we've got going on. And um, I've just written a piece today based on uh, the the video you put up that John McKenzie did on TIFO, which I thought was yeah. excellent about how we're struggling in to create centrally. Uh, and I wrote my piece this week on the back of that that was basically about the dysfunction we have centrally, the, the fact we don't have established partnerships there yet and we're still figuring some players out. But let's, let's go into um, some of the individuals. First off, Emil Smith-Rowe, not in the squad, um, I did wonder why that was during the game because I fully expected him to start. Turns out he's injured. Uh, one Premier League start and he's injured. I mean, how much... 
look, we, we don't really know enough at the moment, right? Could be unlucky. It could it could have been an injury that anyone could have got. But I, I did sense the frustration in Arteta when he said it's going to be weeks. Like, Gabriel Jesus, it's, we're not putting a timeline on him. Partey, Smithrow, he just says it's going to be weeks. Almost with a, an air of resignation. Like, how... Let, let me let me put the question a bit more provocatively. When you look at Thomas Partey and Emil Smith-Rowe sitting on the sidelines again, does it cause you to revisit this idea during the summer that we absolutely weren't entertaining the idea of selling these players? I think we may have done. We, we're not too sure what what situation was regarding selling. And, then, and there needs to be... Well, I think Arsenal basically said that Smith-Rowe wasn't going anywhere. And Thomas Party, there may have been some sniffs in the market, but they seem to dissolve. Right, so I can see a reason as to why they wanted to keep them. Um, but when they're sitting in the sideline, it's very easy to think, "Why didn't we sell them and get someone else in?" And then we presume that person that comes in wouldn't be injured as well. That's what we do, right? We just assume that what's around the corner next door's garden is better than ours, right? So I think the the miss of Party and you tend to miss people on days like this, don't you? You know, when we were smashing people, we don't miss them. When you don't, when you look at the pitch and you're watching Edson Alvarez storm around and Suchek look like, you know, look like some Pavel Nedved in there. Do you know what I mean? And um, and Kudos, who I've watched in a lot of West Ham games, that's been okay, have his breakout day against our midfield. You're thinking, I don't like this, you know? And I said that one of the earlier pods, and it's starting to come to fruition, Declan Rice left Paqueta to come and play with Jorginho. That isn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to play with a better player than that. you know. And that's no disrespect on Jorginho. For me, he's a squad player. But he must. I do not want the situation where Declan Rice is bowled into our team and is literally a, the best midfielder without question at this moment in time, on form alone. And I'm looking around at a partner that he can play with, with a level of physicality or playmaking or ball progression. And we are looking at Jorginho and El Nene in behind because Thomas Pye is not available. That, to me, is a squad issue. It's a squad issue. And let's not let's just hope Declan Rice doesn't get an injury. Because he has now taking over the identity of our centre midfield, how we compete, how we drive, how we pass, where we pass, where we pass from. Back to John's video, where we pass from, inside or outside of the block. One of the big, that's one of my negatives, one of the big positives, we got our skipper back. He came onto that pitch, Tim, he might be walking to the train station, but he came onto that pitch and he was back. I still haven't seen the goal, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, he, he was back. He was literally back to himself. And yeah, it's very difficult when you're trying to, when you watch a player go through a little slump in form or injury, you sort of write them off and you forget how quickly they could come back. But he, he was back. And so, but that's something I knew would happen. What does worry me is how we partner Declan Rice in the centre of our midfield. And that is a debate. And the names in the frame are either untried or I'm not convinced by, or they're not convincing many of us. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I wrote about in this piece, actually, with Rice, that I'm kind of coming round to the idea that he's more of a granite jacker. 
um, than a than a Thomas Partey. Um, a bit more ball dominant maybe than Jacker was in that role, but it it uh, you know very much like because the other thing that John kind of points out in the video is that Rice is not for everything he is. He's not yet that kind of receipt from the centre back turn punch the ball through the lines. That's not who he is at the moment. And actually, I, I kind of think he is better sprinting outside of that block and that maybe Thomas Partey in the armchair, just receiving, turning, punch through the lines. And, um, you know, you mentioned Erdegaard there and his lack of form. I don't think that that's a coincidence because you look through the team. We've not really had Jesus up front. We've not had Partey there. And who's lost form? Erdegaard. And the next player I want to talk about is Zinchenko. Now, Zinchenko has gone very quick. I think this game, every element of this game is bad news for Zinchenko. The fact that he started it is bad news for him because to me that means he's not playing Saturday, that Tommy Asu is playing on Saturday. I'm fine with that, by the way, but a couple of months ago, we weren't in a situation where there are games where you don't play Zinchenko. Zinchenko was one of our always guys, and he's dipped to the hmm Newcastle away. We don't we don't want Zinchenko anymore. We want Tomiyasu, and the fact that he started this game to me means he's he's not in contention to start Saturday, and yet he still gets hooked on fifty seven minutes in this game, having been hooked at half time against Chelsea and. It really feels like this player is his status is falling, and that might be fine for the team. It might be that Declan Rice overtakes that, and maybe Rice and Tomiyasu on the left. Maybe that is something that needs to happen. That'll all come out in the fullness of time, I think. But I, I guess your impression of Zinchenko in this game, and yeah, that that sense that Tomiyasu is coming after him. Yeah, well, I. And he, and he and he will win that battle, as will Julian Timber, as will any other true defensive player that can play the ball in midfield as well. I think Jinchenko is now in his mid twenties, and I've said this recently. If I'm him, I'm knocking on the manager's door and saying, "I'm always vulnerable to a kudos doing me on the outside, but in the interior, I can play with most teams in most teams." And I felt he was really obsessed with being inside, almost show he could play in midfield. And if I look at our ball progression at the moment, I look at him and think, I prefer you there, inside, getting on the ball, showing personality, dominating, and also playing forward passes. Then not having to go back in and do the other job as well. But with Tommy Yasu there, I, I, Tim, you know me, I'm... I'm a pragmatist and I like my big fullback. So I like the team to be cradled by physicality. So what Pep did, I love it. Four centre-backs or four big fullbacks, call them what you like. I like that. So the fact that Thomas Part is not playing at the moment, I think that's bad for Zinchenko because I think our physicality balance drops. So to retain that balance, you bring in a fourth stronger defender and then you have the physicality in your back five unit. And so whether that's a 3-2, whatever you like, you've got the right balance there. Zinchenko is suffering for that. But that's okay. I would evolve him. I would evolve him further forward, and I'd get him on the ball further forward. It isn't a problem. When you've got people in one dimension, you can't do nothing with them. right? So the question is being there, and I'm not saying he should play left eight. I'm saying he should be at the base of our team without having to go back in and defend. 
you know? And he showed a lot of that good stuff in the middle of the pitch earlier in the game, and the bad stuff was on the exterior. He was on the back line when he dropped in, when he had a dog leg in the back line on the first goal, which affected Gabriel. He was playing offside. He heads out for a corner. They get a cheap goal. These are the details that matter. So the closer he is to our goal, I don't like him. When he's in our interior, I think he's really untapped for Arsenal. Untapped ability. Untapped personality on the ball. Yes, he gives it away on occasion. But I want to tap into that. We're giving it away there. We've got our four defenders behind him. I'm not too concerned. When he's making decisions on the edge of our box, like he did in the first few minutes at Chelsea, I am concerned because they are 18 yards from our goal. But that's what I like to see happen. While we have this issues for me with party, Jorginho, I think he's not an every week player. I think he's a closer. And Elneny is, is a, a squad player further down the list. So we need to try something in there, mate, if I'm trying to yeah. And I think this is my biggest takeaway from the game. Yeah, that'd be interesting, actually. Like, is it an actual, like, Zinchenko Rice kind of double pivot? Um, perhaps with Erdegaard ahead of them, maybe it could be Havertz on a, on occasion ahead of them. And and Havertz is the next player I kind of want to talk about because I I'll be honest again. I'm acknowledging the fact that I've put a fair bit of emotion um, into how I regarded this game, and that can cloud judgment and everything yeah. like that. But this is the game <laughs> where. For me, I'm beginning to turn on the habits thing. I've tried to be, you know, you know that scene in the, the very famous scene at the end of Pulp Fiction where Samuel L. Jackson's like, uh, you know, be like the Fonzie. What's Fonzie? He's cool. Let's be cool. <laughs> I've tried to be cool about yeah. this and I've tried to be understanding and tried to think, well, okay, he's very different from Xhaka. A lot of the mechanics like we've just discussed in the center of the team have changed and this player's not there and that player's not there. But this was a kind of game where I just thought, man, you've got to show something. Like, stop sniffing around penalties, like pity penalties. Like, I didn't like that in the um, in the Sheffield United game where he was sniffing. I know he's quite a good penalty taker anyway, but he's yeah. sniffing around that penalty and it's like, mate, have some shame. Mm. <laughs> like... He's going to be taking them against Gunnosaurus at half time next time we play at home. Do you know stop what I mean? It, so you can stop it. So, yeah. <laughs> but this was a night where it was just like I, I was. To, I was talking to a friend on the way home, and I was like, "The thing is, for me with Havertz, he's not doing anything dreadfully wrong because he's not doing anything. Like he's eight foot four, dressed like a like a highlighter." And I still can't see him. I can't see him anywhere apart from getting pushed off the ball by like West Ham midfielders. And I, I'm starting to worry now. Where where are you with this player? And did did this do anything to alter your opinion? It, it did a little bit. And I think the fact I'm talking about moving our left back into midfield tells you what that there's a gap there, isn't there? That I'm not sure what we're going to get if we were to play him at the weekend. And I have been more sure than I was, than I am feeling today. I'm trying not to have conclusions because of the because of the competition, because of the mixed relationships, and because of how the game panned out with the goals conceded and the time we conceded them, and how, how that affected our effort levels. And again, I thought he started the game really well. 
I really did. I thought he looked really good at the start. He had a really good flick header. I thought, oh, that's a good chance. I'm well done. You know, if that goes in, well, maybe we see him. But I'm wishing, I'm hoping, I'm wishing. And I'm just not sure what I'm going to get at the moment. And um, there was a game when he should have been the physicality. And he was for a period until the game went away and then he stopped. And he wasn't the only one. And, and that that point you made there, Tim, about um, there's a day that comes when you suddenly will change an opinion. I had my I had that day, enough not with Havertz, because I think there's still there's still some room to develop. There's still for room to develop into the squad. I had that day with Vieira, funny enough. And and the reason why, because he was in the position of choice. You know, and he's had enough time to have a look at how that position works for us and the ball dominance required and how we get confidence on touches and passing and moving. And I just didn't feel that was what we saw enough, you know, and um, and I don't mind if you're lightweight. Honestly, it didn't bother me. But then you must be ball dominant. You must be a, a marathon runner. You must get on it. You must go to it when, rather than find yourself in a space where you can't be found. So I lost a bit of patience there. You know me, I'm really patient. You know, I'll always find something positive to say. I lost a bit of patience there. Again, it's not the result. It's I want the levels to come up. And so I want to know when they come on the pitch, that the levels are going to be there. I don't care about the result. The result will take care of itself if our levels are up. But when you have an opportunity to start a game, you've got to bring your levels. You've got to bring them. And uh, particularly for those who are not playing every week. So I, I can forgive Ben White because he's playing Saturday. Right? I can forgive him and he's got a track record of delivering. Right? But Vieira yeah, was building his trust levels with, with the fans and with the manager. And... And have us up to up to the same point as well. And they didn't take the opportunity to build trust. And to build trust, you have to apply yourself. You have to almost over-apply yourself. And I felt this opportunity missed for both of them. Yeah, definitely. And... Uh... Again, like with Havertz in particular, I, it, it feels very Ozil where we're talking about body language and things like that. And clearly, mm. like he's a guy who doesn't give off a lot body language wise. And we know he can be physically imposing. He can, you know, win his duels and all of that and good in the air and everything. But like there's something inside you and some of us try to quiet the voice more than others. Yeah. But there is just something inside you in the back of your neck that goes, mate just kick someone or something yeah. or like show that you understand that this is not going well and don't show it by sniffing around penalties when we're three nil up yeah. like I mean, a, like a mascot who's won a competition. He should be playing at Newcastle with the injuries that we have in, in that interior. He should be playing at Newcastle. He should be playing. That's it. Now said those words out loud. Do you think he will be playing at Newcastle in midfield or in the forward, or is he going to be on the bench? And we don't know. And no one can tell me that he must play because he hasn't yeah, yeah. done enough. And that's the difference. And I'm, I'm it's a wish. Yeah, I I hope he plays. I hope he plays well. I hope he plays a position that suits him. I'm not sure what that is, but I'm wish casting it. Do you see what I mean? I want to be more certain. I'm pretty confident I'm going to get from Rice. I'm pretty confident I'm going to get from our. Two 22 year old runners on the outside. 
I've got a box of rolls that's in the folding eddy at the moment. I'm, I'm sorry, that's the truth. And, and we've got a couple more like that. And, and that's, I promise you, mate, I promise you, Arteta's having that conversation with those guys today, tomorrow, and those standards will be up at the weekend because that, that, that just won't do. That won't do. Yeah, and that, I guess that's the other thing that's frustrating with Havertz as well. It's like there is a spot in the team for you there. The guy left in Granite Xhaka, like it's it's – it's too simplistic to say it's an open goal because you still got to go and perform, but you're not competing with people for that spot. It was you started in it on the first game of the season. It's yours. It's yours to lose, and go you've lost it. it. Go get it. Grab exactly. It. Yeah. Make it and, a non-debate. Yeah. Yeah. And and even and even with that, now the centre forwards out, and like you said, and we'll come on to Eddie now because it's a good segue. But like you said, Eddie. Veers wildly between eight and three out of ten. So there's there's even another spot. It's it's like he's missed the penalty and the rebounders come straight to him. And I know I appreciate he didn't really play up front last night other than like the last little bit, but there's another spot in the team for him and he's not really grabbing it. Okay, I know you thought you were getting away without me for an entire episode. I apologize, not gonna happen. Uh, but a very League Cup performance by me, showing up sporadically, giving just the minimal amount, and then abandoning you again. So <clears throat> I am here to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp isn't online therapy. It is therapy. It just happens to be online. And it's this simple. If you want to take care of yourself, that includes taking care of yourself mentally. That includes going to therapy. Uh, so many things I want to say about this. If you have a loved one, um, you know, a partner, a parent, someone you feel you can, can confide in, a friend, that's great. But confiding in someone isn't the same as a professional who knows how to help you work through the challenges that you face as an individual. And when I did therapy, it wasn't because I was in crisis, but it's because I could feel myself not being able to work through some of the challenges that I had as a person and that that was going to stand in my way long-term and maybe eventually result in crisis. Um, if you've been through a hardship, maybe that's something that you haven't ever worked through. You think it's behind you, but you haven't really worked through it. And maybe that's holding you back in ways you're not aware of. So why BetterHelp? BetterHelp is convenient. It's affordable. I mean, not everyone can afford therapy. BetterHelp makes it affordable. BetterHelp makes it accessible. You don't have to think about getting in the car, driving to an office. Do you have time to get there? Do you have a way to get away to go do that? You can do it with the camera off if that's the only way you feel confident. Um, and you can change any time. So get started on the path to help find your bright spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vision. Do it now. Elliot, is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. Back to the guys. Let, let's talk Eddie, who played up front, like you said, got the match ball on Saturday, you know, after a pretty insipid substitute display in Sevilla. Then Emirates, you know, against Sheffield United, bangs a hat-trick, lovely, goes to West Ham, and someone pointed out that he hasn't scored, I think, for 18 or 19 away games now. What's your assessment of this player's inconsistency, why he doesn't do it away from home, and just what you felt watching him in this match? Yeah, I mean, Eddie's put me in the uh, analysis grave many times because every time I I think, well, that's it, he's nowhere. He does something amazing. I mean, and there are games I remember the United game, obviously Spurs away last year, where I didn't think he had that in him. 
you know, and coming on at Fulham, I thought, wow, here he is, he's arrived. And then we go to Seville and, and mate, he was close to a sub sub out there, you know, and then he comes on Saturday. I'm, I didn't go for him because I, I don't go for people anyway, but, but like, I'm thinking in, inside, I'm conversation myself thinking, mate, Eddie, that, that was rubbish. You, you could be nowhere near it on Saturday. Comes out Saturday, Sheffield Wednesday, like he's running on air. Sheffield United, sorry, like he's running on air. Looked amazing. Scores his goals, centre laces, everything perfect. I'm thinking, well, you've been trusted. You're Arsenal centre forward. You started eight or nine games for us this season. Let's go. Let's go to West Ham and show what we've got. Nothing. I mean nothing. I don't know where he was playing. You couldn't find him at any point in that game, any security. Everything was late. All of the positive attitude that he showed at the weekend just wasn't there. Now, we know he can play. He's got an England cap on his fireplace, right? So we know he can play. So there's no debate there. You can't have that. You can't have that. You can't have that three out of ten. You just can't. Because they, they, their centre-backs, mate, they didn't have to clean their boots after the game. They just put them down there for the weekend, right? So um, there was just no drama to them at all, at all. And you've got to have a little level of um, personal pride about your game in that regard. I just want him to find a level so we can go to these... We got an away game on Saturday, and I'm now worried. That tweet came out about that scored in 18 games. I wish I hadn't read it. Because now I'm thinking, what are we going to do the weekend? You know, unless Jesus has a miraculous recovery. What are we going to do at the weekend? You know, playing against solid centre-backs at Newcastle that are going to make you feel your calves after a challenge. Will Eddie bring that Eddie that we know is in there, but we're just not sure where it's going to come out. And um, So I'm staying away from my Eddie analysis because... He's done me loads of times. I've, I've, I've killed him, and then he's like gone and done something amazing. And when he does something like last night, I just stay quiet because I think I know who the player is. I think I know where his level is. But he also has the ability to massively surprise on occasions. And so I just hope he's at the weekend. Is there um, any, I guess, caveat in that? For, I mean, first of all, there, there are two things around this. I think the Neither of the wide players, I thought they were both rubbish as well, to be honest. But let's first, maybe keeping it with Havertz and Nketiah, that to me seems like a really unsatisfying mix. Um, And if I could give Havertz, if there's one glimmer of hope for me for Havertz in that left eight role, I mean... I, I don't really want a 65 million Goldilocks player where everything has to be just right. But if there's one glimmer of hope, it's that maybe him and Jesus can provide yeah. some kind of complementary partnership. And we haven't seen Jesus up front enough this season. But there's something about, you know, like when kids are naughty at school or like there's a kid that's not that naughty, but you put him together with his mate and they're, they're both a nightmare. Yeah. That That's kind of like Havertz and Nketiah to me. They seem to bring out the worst in one another or there's just not a good mix there. Like, what do you make of of those two as a pairing, I guess? Yeah, it doesn't take much to think that the way Jesus plays, I mean, we've last seen playing tackling at left back. <laughs> so, I mean, the way he plays, the way he drops in, the way he recognises when to drop in, it's really part, big part of how we play, you know, and how he separates from his defenders, where he finds himself. He's a nightmare to play against. 
But you could see that Havertz, if he's smart, could use Jesus to find his position. So where Jesus, if he comes close to him, he should disappear to his starting spot. And then he becomes a forward immediately, which he's wired to do. Right, So it's almost getting them on the piston almost. Because Jesus loves that left-hand side for the Martinelli link. So you could see, it doesn't take much to work that one out, does it, Tim, to be honest, that he could drop in, he could get on the piston, suddenly he's at centre forward, suddenly he's a, he's a target for the second phase. So when Jesus drops in, don't stand there watching him, disappear. Disappear into forward areas, and as we progress the ball, you become a, a threat in the penalty box. So... You haven't seen that at all, really. And Eddie holds that space between the centre-backs. So it doesn't leave room for Havertz to crash as much because Eddie moves for himself around the box. He doesn't move with a partner in mind or somebody else. He doesn't run for somebody else, that makes sense. He'll run for himself. He won't do what Jesus did the other week where he just takes three or four people away. I can't remember the exact game. I've lost it, sorry. So someone else can receive a pass and score. That's not Eddie's game. He's a he's a he's a goal scoring centre forward. That's absolutely fine. We have different styles, right? So that one link is something that I'm with you. That's the thing that hopefully will bring out the player that I think Arteta thinks he's signed. But I can hear people listening to their devices now saying, "It ain't gonna work, Clive. You're trying too hard to make it work. <laughs> ain't gonna work, Tim. Just leave it, mate. It's, it's not happening." <laughs> but I, that I have that hope with you, Tim. I really do. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's actually um, slightly reminiscent. I think of what's happening in the women's team at the moment, where they've got a striker in Russo who does like brilliant work away from the box. And what Arsenal have struggled with is who goes into the box when she comes away from the box, and that that that's where there's a there's a role for Havertz. I think just like you said, yeah. like Jesus is, and and this is why I have some optimism about that potential partnership. Havertz and Inketia, they both want to disappear. Jesus is the opposite. Jesus, he loves crowd scenes. Look at his finishing. Put no one in front of him. He can't finish for Toffee. Put three players in front of him. He'll bang it in the top corner. He likes crowd scenes. He likes contact. He wants two or three players in his way, either to dribble around them or smash into them. And Havertz wants the opposite. Havertz and Inketia together, they both kind of do that Homer Simpson disappearing into the hedge thing. And and I kind of think that's why they're a, they're a bad mix. But, you know, so those two, you know, naughty children together bringing the worst out of one another. We also had Trossard and Nelson out wide. I thought they were both terrible, um, really, really bad. And But I guess when every one of your front four individually drops a stinker, there's there's probably something else going on there. But what what did you make of kind of Nelson and Trossard in those wide positions? I mean, I'm I'm guessing you're not going to sit there and tell me that they played brilliantly. But was <laughs> no was there something about that collective, or was it that just all four of them just didn't bring it? But yeah, they were, they were part of the passing machine in the first half, receiving the ball, to recycling it, not really threatening on occasion. Nelson, a couple of half chances, mostly on his left foot. And to be honest, he's a he's a left sider coming on his right foot. So he was doing what was on offer to him. They were showing him inside onto his weak foot, and and we saw what happened, right? So Trotsar's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Because at the weekend, he was like snake hip, super sharp. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. You're thinking, this guy's got to play, got to play. 
gets a chance on the start again, okay in the first half, but just not strong enough, not strong enough, and not hasn't didn't have enough relationships around around him really. So really, really quite disappointing from a overall game performance thing. But I will, I will say again, the second goal after half time almost makes the rest of the game null and void because it, it just kills it dead really, and and so. I don't want to judge too much on the and again on the early part of the game. I thought he was bright until the game. The goals just changed our mindset completely. Yeah, I I think that's the thing as well on the night. Whether it was a physicality thing or a mentality thing or a little bit of both, we just didn't have those players on the pitch who, when you're two 0 down, will go and get you the game back. Um, I think it's telling that Declan Rice was the first player to come on because. That's what he did against Chelsea, right? The game got away from us and he went and fetched it back. Yeah. Um, and perhaps we didn't have those players. Again, Tim, we don't want to... We were we started to get like this collective group we've seen this year and there were key people we lost at the end of last year, Sleeper being one, maybe Pai was me another. year before it was Tierney. You know, we, we had these key pillars. And I was starting to think naively that the key pillars were weren't so obvious but they suddenly look obvious again don't they They, the Mm. pillars in this team that give other players confidence to perform are staring at you you know they're just suddenly staring at you and the best of Arsenal when those pillars are there we are we have got an incredibly high ceiling because when Sleeper plays Gabriel's better Ben White's better you know, Ramsdale's a bit of a dip on this day, but I'll give him a break. It's not it's not important. He's been crushed by the whole situation, right? So, um, and then, you know, with Steeber playing, our playmaking from deep is better. So there's less responsibility on the centre midfielder because the guy just runs everything from there. Then we have got a centre midfielder who can crash everything off the ball, made our off-the-ball play look amazing. He just sweets everything up delivers ball he's learning to pass down the middle as well he's whipping around the corner he's doing everything he shouldn't be doing everything for Arsenal Football Club that shouldn't be happening that's an issue Saka mate Saka I know he's only on for a few minutes but he's got feet to die for so smart Nelly the level of these guys so Dardegar these are pillars these are superstar players on new contracts superstar wages these are pillars of our team and so when you have an opportunity to go out there and show that you can influence a game, and then you, who are not normally a pillar, be a pillar on a certain day, you have to take the opportunity. Because now, as fans, we are now recognize who those pillars of our team are, and we are now worried about them if they ever break down or fall down. Because we'll be back where we are. And so it's a real message to those people just on the edge. You've got to show. You've got to show, even when some of the strength for the tent isn't there. You know what I mean? You've got to show. You've got to hold a tent up. Don't be happy being the shortest pole in the tent. Be the longest pole in the tent. Hold the tent up. Put your hand up and say, I'm here for a reason and this is why. Don't disappear when the the moment really matters. Yeah, absolutely. And you you referred to Ramsdale there. There's two more um, kind of performances I wanted to go into, really. Um, I, I guess with Ramsdale whether it's the performance or the situation or a little bit of both, I suspect a little bit of both. I mean, 
clearly he's in a situation now where he doesn't get many opportunities to impress. And, you know, he got a fabulous reception from the away end, which is like absolutely right. I, you know, the, the player clearly needs lifting. He's a popular player. It's very worthwhile showing him he's a popular player as well. I, I have to admit, I feel like it's gone a little bit Raya versus Ramsdale, um, you know, and, and I don't want to do that um, either, but it, it does. I mean, put, let me put it this way, right? Let me put it bluntly and then get it out of the way because I don't really want to propagate the idea that we have to take a side and that they're banging up against each other. But it, if Raya concedes that third goal, I think they're a chance of Aaron Ramsdale <laughs> from the away end yeah. um, as, as much as I, I can see how and why he conceded it. But what struck me in this game... I, I think there's caveats on on the goals for him, yeah. even if overall I think the third one he should save. But I think the deflection makes it less of a makes it makes it maybe an error, but not a clangor. But one one of the things that did strike me about his performance in this game, you could see he was trying to do more of the the Raya stuff, right? He was trying yeah. to do more of that. He wasn't just going long all the time. He was like baiting the press and all of that, um, wh- whether that was by instruction or whether that's because he sat on the bench and said, why am I not in this team? It's because Raya's doing that stuff and I wasn't doing that stuff. So I've got to go and do that stuff. Like, What what did you make of the evening for him? Because I think however you sympathetically you look at it, there's no question Raya's starting on Saturday. Like He didn't do anything that makes you think he's getting the shirt back. No, and I think um, I, I, I felt Ramsdale should have started at Sheffield United. By the way, I think he should have started on Saturday, and that would have got him ready for this game. You know, and but hey, look, it's take me. It took me a while to accept it, Tim. You've been there sooner than me. <laughs> you said uh, Raya's down number one. I've been looking at this and saying, look, goalkeeper position has got room for evolution. How we look at it, I understand what he's saying. What he said hasn't come to fruition yet um, because he just hasn't. And now in a situation where Ramsdale just had his first baby, life is different. Emotionally, emotionally yesterday, it didn't feel quite right to me. And that could be me just looking. I've got sympathies with him. He didn't feel quite right. On all the goals, I can explain every single one. I, I think he's incredibly unlucky in all three of the goals. Gabriel normally would fly out and press much closer, decided just to press with a weak body shape, and it goes through his legs. The one place where he can't get it. You know, on the, on the, on the second goal, the third goal, Kivio, just stay out of the way. Don't, just don't put your legs out. Deflection, and it goes in, looks really bad, and the first goal's a foul, right? What good, one good one-on-one save. I was never worried about his distribution, if I'm honest with you. I know he can do it, but it's the comfort by which he did it that was starting to edge a little bit, you know? And then when Raya comes in against Everton and he looks so comfortable, you're thinking, oh, crikey, that's you're, you're in trouble, mate. Do you know what I mean? And you're in trouble. But then Raya started to look uncomfortable. So people say, hold on, Ramsdale looked a little bit uncomfortable on occasion and Raya looks uncomfortable on occasion. So why not just, why can't the other one come play? That doesn't seem to be the situation. And now I, I'm accepting that Raya is the number one, but that's that's my journey, I'm afraid. <laughs> People are gonna say I was there ages ago. You were definitely there ages ago. And he, and he looks like number one now. And last night convinced me. And that probably totally unfair, but just where I am with it. 
Yeah, and I, I guess what I, you alluded to it there, like Ramsdale, either emotionally or comfort-wise. Again, I, I don't think it was like a disastrous display from him at all, but he's not going to get many chances to impress and, and he probably didn't really take it on balance. But you alluded to the fact that Reyes started to look a little bit uncomfortable and part of my theory around that is overthinking. And maybe some of that's the yeah. pressure, maybe some of that's the what am I in the team to do? It's this, I must do it at all costs. And then Ramsdale comes in and maybe he's not himself in terms of his distribution. He's trying to be, it's a bit cool runnings, you know, (laughs) (laughs) trying to be uh, David Raya. And, and I wonder, do you think, and I look, I've rejected this during the time, but I have to ask the question. Do you think the situation has unnecessarily created discomfort for both goalkeepers now? The word unnecessary is an interesting one, Tim, because I think there are, we have two signings. We're all happy with Timber, although he's not here anymore. <laughs> We're all happy with Rice. We wish we had a couple more like him, basically. Um, the other two signings in Havertz and, and Raya could be described as unnecessary. You know what I mean? And when a manager takes a decision which you not may not understand fully, but you feel it's unnecessary. And when you see other people that you've got used to, not either not be at the club being sold or somebody being pushed down from being number one to number two, you're then in a situation as a manager where you, you almost have to reconvince people why you've made this decision and the player's performance needs to be where it needs to be for it to people to recognise that it was a necessary move to raise our standards. Right? So with the Raya conversation, He's been here a while. He knows the league. He will reach the standard. He will reach the standard. He gets more comfortable playing for the club. He will reach the standard. Whether Ramsdale will overcome him, I'm I'm not so sure. But Raya will reach the standard. Now, Havertz now is slightly different, where he's had a period where he was at a standard and he had a dip and we've paid money for him. And he needs to reach the standard because he has a key role in the squad. So that word unnecessary is key because what that does is that then puts the manager on the question. You only got to look at your Twitter to see that people are starting to question a few things. It's only a bit of a reaction to the grief, reaction to a defeat. But when you do things that are deemed unnecessary, they need to be made to feel important. They need to be made necessary and important. We can see our off-the-ball stuff with Havertz is better. We can see some of our control distribution from the back is better. But it needs to manifest itself. So when we lose people then question, does this need to happen? And to see Ramsdale a little bit crushed yesterday, he looked at that to meet him where I was seeing, makes you think, oh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right to me. We've lost somebody. Or you want to be gaining people in the squad, not losing people, because they feel that maybe it's, a, maybe it's an unfair fight. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm thinking as well about like uh, Tommy Asu at the moment. And, you know, I said right off the back of the Timber injury, this is a big opportunity for him because if Timber's still around, I, I don't know where Tommy Asu is at the moment, but he's got his opportunities and he's he's really taking them. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I do think there's something there. When you do the, like, we, we've both seen during our time as fans like those quote-unquote unnecessary signings and you know you think of bringing in Ian Wright when Alan Mm. Smith just won two golden boots I mean Ian Wright blew that out of the water by scoring shed loads of goals or when David Seaman comes in for John Lukic 
again, like no one agreed with that at the time, but David Seaman just removes all doubt and you go, ah, okay, that's fine actually. And I actually used the example, I think with Paul the other day of Alan Ball, after we won the double, we bring in Alan Ball, who's the best ball playing midfielder in the country. You can see exactly what the thinking was. All right, we're a tough, disciplined team. We need to add a little, little bit of sparkle in there. Didn't work at all. Just didn't work um, for one reason or another. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like th- those things happen sometimes. Even the ones that make sense on paper just don't turn out like that. Um, the the last player I want to discuss before we finish is uh, Kibio. You uh, mentioned there about Ramsdale. He should have been given the Sheffield United game, and perhaps if you're backing up two performances, and perhaps even if you just have the security of the Sheffield United game where you're watching it, <laughs> like Raya and Ramsdale both sat and watched it, basically. It's just one watched it from his 18-yard area and the other one watched it on the bench in a tracksuit. Yeah. But someone who did get the Sheffield United game and then got this game on the back of it was Kivior. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he looked like the, like you know, the second coming of Bobby Moore or anything. But on the night, if I was to say there was one of the starting players who I would excuse from my my little tweet sent on 86 minutes, it was probably Kivior. What did you make of his display? And are we, you know, to your point about finding players, are we finding a player there? Oh, without a doubt, we're finding him. And he's starting to add the things that... He was adding earlier on. He's trying to be more aggressive. I think he won all his aerial duels. He was really aggressive in the air. He was front-footed. He can pass the ball like a bullet. It always could. You know, he can switch it six yards if you want to. He's got a real range. He looks, when he runs, he's running fast, but if you watch him run, he's got a bit of a low knee lift, and you think, is he going to get there? He's going to get there, but he's quick. I, but he's also young. There was a ball down the line in, I think it might have been the second half, and he he wins the race easily, and he just heads it out for a throw, right? So, but he had the speed to just go back to the keeper, switch, split, and then get the ball back again. And that just tells me that's an experience thing. Do, do you know what I mean? This mate, you've got it. You're at this level, you know, and you've got the chance to just keep that ball for the team. Don't give them a throw. This is West Ham. They want the throws into the box. Do you see what I mean? And so, um, and so they've made sixty yards of territory. That will come with experience of playing in the league, and he'll trust his ability because he's got a lot of ability. Another player that spent time in the back three, playing for Spezia, back three in the centre and the left. He plays left back for Arsenal, and he plays left back for Poland on occasion. And he's also spent time in centre midfield. That to me is smart, smart recruitment have a player like that, and he's starting to look like an Arsenal player. And the more physical he gets, the more experience he gets. I think we found something there. And again, his multi-positional part of his game, his versatility, sorry, means that no one person is boxing out of the team. You know, at the weekend, he might end. we might end in the back five. He will come on. He'll be the first guy to come on, you know? And... um so yeah, I think he's becoming really important in the squad. I'm really pleased. I didn't want to see him go on loan. There was rumours him going to Sevilla on loan to start the season. I'm so glad he hasn't gone. I think he's going to be very important in our team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think one of the kind of few, uh, it might be a stretch to call it a bright spot, but he wasn't shit, um, <laughs> which put him in a category of one, I think, to be honest. Uh, just before we get out of here, 
clearly Newcastle away on Saturday. This looks like a tougher game to me than it did 48 hours ago because I was reading all about how Newcastle have got injuries. They've got a massive Champions League game on Wednesday night. All of a sudden, we've been done 3 0 in the cap, well, sorry, 3 1 in the Carabao Cup. I- I'm still psychologically 3 0 because that's when I left the stadium. <laughs> Newcastle's B team have gone and rolled over Man United 3 0 in the Carabao Cup. Saturday evening game, um, you know, there are uh, storms in England <laughs> at the moment. So it-, it feels like every game is played in a storm at the moment <laughs> for Arsenal, except Sheffield United. Um, what I'm not going to ask you like to pick a team or anything, but what are the attributes that you would prize in the team selection here? You referenced Havertz up front. Is that because you're thinking of going over the top of the Newcastle press? What what would you like to see Arsenal prioritise in terms of their game plan? Yeah, I, I have a. This may change, by the way, <laughs> but I I think it's to have the ability to find somebody and centre forward is a priority for me today after I've just watched a game where we couldn't find a centre forward. This could change when the when the emotion goes away. But so yeah, I think that could be the option. I, I but I do worry about our, our partner horizon. I think we need to do something there. I would I would like to see a change there. But I'd like to see Havos play a centre forward. Because what he does is when you're in a cauldron, you have direction. And that direction is important, you know? So when you've got your head down and you're being pressed off the ball, Newcastle are an athletic team. They made eight changes yesterday and still went to Man United and were striding around. So I do feel we are... I was thinking we were playing them at a good time. We took a bit of a kick here and a bit of a slap emotionally. But I do think it's going to give us a chance to reset, you know, draw a line in this. So, yeah, I think... I think we'll be. I genuinely think we're okay. My only worry, Tim, is the centre midfield. That's that's my worry. We're going to have to do something there, make a change. For me, I feel that's our that's our potential weakness. I was watching Joe Willock yesterday run through and slot the goal. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet. And when Joe Willock left Arsenal, we were playing a stick a stick on four two three one with Emil Smith Rowe playing in the ten on occasions. And Joe Willock didn't really have a role. We weren't playing with three eights per se. And now we play with, with eights. And I was watching Joe Willett run through <laughs> and slot the ball into the bottom corner like he was going popping to shots for a pint of milk. I'm thinking, that player suits our team more now than when he left. You know, the team has evolved to his box-to-box, hard-running, hard-shooting skills. What are we asking Havertz to do? Box-to-box, hard-running, arrive in the box. You know? It's really interesting the game, how it evolves, right? So watching him do that, just for Arsenal, rock up at the weekend, is a little bit concerning. <laughs> um, Joel Linton, um, a monster athlete. We're going to have to compete with them, but we can. We can. We have got the players, but we've got to bring the mindset. We've got to bring the mindset. Yeah, and what's interesting last season was, I don't know if you remember, Jorginho got man of the match. We decided this was a Jorginho game yeah. when we went there in April because... Almost a bit like our approach to the Everton game at Goodison, where we were like, okay, let's not bash the ball up in the air against these guys. Let's keep it on the floor. And almost the same with the thinking behind starting Jorginho in April. It was, okay, let's not just try and compete with them physically. Let's just make sure they can't get the ball. So they run themselves out. And that, 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 again, that was, that just kind of showed 
a little bit of what we've seen this season with a bit of a horse horses for courses approach with our with our kind of midfield depth. But yeah, I, I'm guessing that maybe you wouldn't start Jorginho in this one. Well, again, we have our we have our blind spots and our biases, and when I see Jorginho being run past by Paqueta last night about four or five times, I have these scars on me today. You know, I've got Eddie scars today. You know, I've got Vieira scars today. They'll, they, they'll be gone by tomorrow and I'll be thinking of ways to get them, you know, to get them back in the, in the group. But I have these scars today and I don't want to see that. I don't want to see us getting run past in the middle of the pitch, you know. Declan Rice wasn't there when this was happening, right? So, and, and Sleep wasn't there to step up and go and take it, you know. So, there are reasons for this. And if we retain the ball better up top, suddenly they're not running through us on a transition, so there, are, there are reasons for it, and they're more than just one player. So we have we can do the old go backwards 15 times, keep the ball, or we could say, nah, we're going to play where you don't want us to play. We're going to play right up there. So which Arsenal's going to show? You know, which one's going to show this time? I want to see us go get them. You know, Even in that game, I, I didn't watch that Newcastle game live. Well, the only game I didn't see live last year, from uh, even on TV, I saw it afterwards. And... But the feeling I got from rewatching it was we were doing fine. They were really in it, but we scored an amazing opening goal, which justified yeah. our play style. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not convinced that was the right way to go. Newcastle had a number of chances before half time, after half time. They yeah. goals in they had it a penalty different. overturned, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So they were all over us. They were after us. They were running at us. They they fancied themselves physically against us. And they were after us. They were after our boots, mate. And so I would rather go over and play four and four at the back. I would rather control six and four rather than five v five. I would go over and I would make sure we get the ball and we start to control it there with Odegaard, Havertz, Saka and Martinelli. And I'd say, right, we're coming for you with this four. Do you fancy it? That's what I would do. Mm. But they have to be, we need that facilitation in the centre and we need that one-on-one on the outside. And they will be, apart from Havertz, they will be fresh. They'll be fresh and ready to go. So that's what I would play where our fresh talent is and not at the base of our team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Like it's it's more the front five that that are gonna you know the back five might stop us losing it, but the front five are gonna have to go and win it for us. And to your point, that's what happened last season, right? I think it was Erdegaard scored, and then we get an own goal, but it's because Martinelli sprints with the ball about forty yards, and it's those kind of individual moments. And that's what Arteta spoke about after Sevilla as well. He kind of made that point, you know, you control etc. Not doing anything silly, but your players have got to go and win it for you at some point. So I, I think we have the talent to do that so long as we don't do what we did in this game and just give them stuff um, for free. So, yeah, that's, that's I think, going to be a, a very nervous, tetchy game. There's something about it being on a Saturday evening as well that I, I don't like and I can't really put my finger on why. Are you going, um, are you going up there? I, I'm not, no, All no, right. no. The women's game is the next day at 12.30 All right. um, and it would have been complicated to get back. So, well, uh, Newcastle's a complicated place anyway. If you go out in Newcastle, you're, not, <laughs> you're never getting back to wherever you need to go to. So, uh, I, yeah. I've done that many, many times. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this is Wild the first time I'm not going in quite a while. So, <laughs> yeah, but um, we'll talk about that game. I might well be on the instant reaction for that since I won't be at the game. Um, but for now, Clive, thanks very much. Thank you very much.
and we'll be back yeah with i'm not sure whether we'll do anything on friday patreon flavor we'll have an instant reaction to the game on saturday evening which will be out for you to listen to you know within about 90 minutes of the final whistle and then we'll do a main pod as ever on monday and elliot will probably be back for all of that um i think he's just taking a day off um because the team did on this occasion but uh thanks very much for for listening and we will speak to you as ever after newcastle nil arsenal 10 